What the hell is the name of this song? Wayne's World. The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another amazing, amazing, ballsy podcast. Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington. Let me correct you. It's potentially amazing, but the odds of it being amazing with you and I here and no Evan Grant, the award-winning. See, where's the award-winning Evan Grant? Yeah, the odds went way up, and not only because of that, but because of our guest right now who is making his ballsy debut one Chuck Cooperstein. Chuck, good morning, and how are you? And thank you for being with us. Uh, good morning to you. Uh, what you you already farmed Evan out All Star break, and uh, you don't want him around? No, you you know if you've noticed about Evan, he takes a few vacations. Well, here, here's the point with Evan. He knew he wasn't going to get picked to go to the All Star game. Jerry Fraley was ticketed for that, and Evan can't even be an All Star representative of the Dallas Morning News at the All-Star Game. So he quietly takes time off. So he doesn't Not have so to, quietly. Well, he, he, he so he doesn't have to be embarrassed by not being sent. And yeah, that's what it is. Well, so, no, actually he's a he's a pretty smart guy since he didn't work this weekend. Jerry <laughs> did this weekend. So yeah. he actually got himself a, a full week that's very very impressive work by him. It was it was. He he, he ranges, you know, and when if you if you notice when when he when when Jerry goes on the road with the team, he's going to to Minneapolis or when, Kansas City. Or Kansas City. When, when Evans going, he's going to New York. He's going to Boston. He's going to L.A. He'll be going to Chicago after the yeah, break. He'll be going to Chicago. I, 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 I guarantee. By the way, did you notice who else took the weekend off? Eric Nadell took the weekend off too. Yes, he did. Yes, I think he, yes, he did. And we had a lot of people taking uh, the uh, weekend off. Tom Greve was in there taking notes uh, in the managers' meeting yesterday before the game. It was it was very disconcerting. It was I think it just threw everybody off and. And that's that explains that fifteen to five uh, final, I think. But oh, the whole point. So, so how what how how does it explain uh, the other uh, <laughs> the other twelve and fifteen run games that they've allowed against uh, the just the. Uh, 1927 version of the uh, Yankee version of the Minnesota Twins. <laughs> Chuck, I, Chuck, obviously you don't you don't know Kevin's mo uh, quite well enough. Ke- the whole reason Kevin told that story was to say, "Hey, I was there. I was there. I, I was there. there. I, <laughs> I was there. I, re- I was. Evan wasn't there. Fraley wasn't there. I was there." Here's the, here's the thing about that game. It dovetailed right into what I was going to write anyway. If they had gone out there and won two to nothing, if A.J. Griffin had gone out and, and thrown you know six or seven innings of shutout ball, then it would have just screwed up everything. It, it, it worked out just fine. This way I could still make the case that they needed to. All uh, I know is that you're an absolute glutton for punishment. <laughs> yes, that is that is the, also what, the case. That's why he does this podcast. Speaking of gluttons for punishment, though, on occasion here, now we, we this summer it looked like we could have been, you could have been a glutton for punishment uh, this coming Mavericks season. Had they not rebounded, which they always do, they they sh- they aim high, and then when they miss, they come back with a with a, a pretty decent uh, fallback position, which is what they uh, have seemed to do in the, in the free agency. What was your take on all that, Chuck? Well, um, it, it is amazing, and I guess it's because they've had so much practice at it that they've really become pretty good at it. Uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with aiming high because, as we know, the, the way the game is, you win with stars, and they're trying to get stars. Um, but uh, I, I think 
the fact that they're able to rebound the way they did, uh, you know, I happen to be a Parsons guy. I, I think he's a really good player, and uh, I think he's a really versatile player. And unfortunately, uh, you know, injuries for uh, really a year and a half did not allow us to see the best of him. But having said that, if you are going to make the decision to let him go, um, getting Harrison Barnes is a pretty nice fallback spot. I mean, when you think, you know, for years when Maverick fans have been complaining about, uh, you know, where is our youth? Where is our athleticism? Uh, uh, where is our lottery pick? Well, here's a guy that four years ago was a lottery pick. Uh, yeah. He's still just 24 years old. Uh, you know, he, he's definitely not a complete product by any stretch of the imagination. I, I, ultimately, I don't think he's a better player than Parsons. But at the same time, we've never seen him really take on any sort of significant role, which he will hear for sure. So it's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I, I, to me, he, he's the equivalent of a lottery pick, a first-round pick coming in here who has a little experience in the NBA. And look, when he, when he was a high school player, wasn't he, was he or was he not the number one high school player in the country or he, one or two? He was. He was the number one high school player out of Ames, Iowa. Out of, so, um, and, and went to North Carolina. We're, and now, now he's here. You know, he's, he's got a little of the uh, the Golden State polish on him. And and let's see. I, he, he... Oh, well, I, I what I want to ask you, Chuck. The one the one caveat I had in this is that look, I was looking at it like if if uh, and I'm with you. Aim high. You don't get that. And and it really, and and I've written this and said this before. I don't blame the Mavericks for the fact that uh, these, uh, you know, superstars have not come in here. I mean, you know, they're not going a lot of other places either, you know. So so, so it, it's difficult to come to a place where the, the resident superstar is at the back end of his career. As good as he still is, he, he's he's not in his prime, and they know that. And, and, I, and I also feel like that, that most of these superstars, these young superstars especially, gravitate to the coast. And so it's difficult to get them to come here. So I, I don't fault them for that at all. Uh, the, the, the one thing I, I felt like is that if this team had just brought back Darren Williams, which they did, and if they'd brought back Zaza or uh, an adequate center, which they, they did in, in, in making the trade with Golden State to get Andrew Bogut, uh, is that I would have liked to have seen Justin Anderson put into a role with all those veterans around him of, okay, now, now we're going to start you. As long as they had a, a, a reasonable backup option there for him in case he just fell flat on his face just to get it just to find out this season is this guy a role player or is he a cornerstone going forward I don't know that you're going to find that out now uh, with Harrison Barnes playing in front of him well what you could find out though is that he's the second coming of Andre Iguodala and that wouldn't be so bad no that would not uh, be bad it's not, like, it's not like he's not going to play minutes I mean clearly he's going to play minutes I don't know that he needs to play 35 minutes a game, but I think you know his energy and athleticism, uh, certainly his de- defensive ability, uh, is, is going to be really important to this team. He's got to get better offensively, and you know, we'll, especially his shooting from the right side of the floor. If you notice, most of his threes come from the left side of the floor and in the corner, and he's got to learn to make that shot with greater regularity. On the right side of the floor, he's not nearly as good, and he needs to work on his ball handling. Uh, he really can't dribble with his right hand very well. He's left-hand dominant. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of work for him to do. Um, but, again, I mean, if you look at Golden State and use that model and see, well, here's Barnes and here's Iguodala, uh, and why can't Barnes and, and Anderson 
uh, reprise that particular role. And uh, so I, I really don't have an issue with that. I, I think Rick Carlisle brought him along expertly last year. Uh, and uh, and because of how he played at the end of the year and how he played in the playoffs, that uh, I mean, he certainly has earned his earned his keep uh, to where he's going to be a really important part of what they do. And and let's face it, too, uh, you know, who, who knows about injuries because injuries do happen. We just don't know when they're going to happen. You know, you make an excellent point about how Rick brought him along, and I, and I agree with you. I think he did a great job with him last year. People always want to say, "Oh, Rick won't play rookies, or he won't he won't play young guys." Well, first of all, or he, or he doesn't want to. First of all, no coach wants to play young guys unless they're just a, a, a dominant talent. You know, they, because yes. young guys make mistakes, and that gets you fired. And and so no one wants to do that. He did play Justin last year. Did you feel like that was mostly out of need or because they saw something in this guy they have not seen in the young guys they've had in the past? Well, I think it was a little bit of both. I mean, clearly, you know, when Parsons got hurt, um, you know, in mid-March, uh, and they were still struggling to find their way, I mean, he, he sort of did reach down after that disastrous game in Sacramento, and the next night they went to Denver and they played with uh, Anderson and Dwight Powell in the starting lineup, and, uh, it did give them a boost of energy. So uh, I, I think from a starting standpoint, uh, circumstances dictated that. But I do think that he had seen things in him. And I remember even you know talking to Anderson late in the year, uh, I think it was probably after the game in Oakland uh, in mid-March, and he had a pretty good game that game. Mavericks, you might remember, I mean, they were within three with about three minutes to go in that game, had a chance to win that game, kind of fell apart late. But he said, you know, what – Generally speaking, all rookies should probably say is that, you know, I wish I knew then what I know now. Uh, because uh, he, he really thought coming in that he kind of had the thing figured out, had a pretty good summer league last year. But then, you know, when the season started, it, that things were going at 8,000 miles an hour, and he couldn't process it all. And it took him a while for him to figure it out. And, and Rick understood that it was going to take a while for him to figure it out. And he started to figure it out. And, and the, the more he did... Uh, the more Rick trusted them to go on the floor and, and do the things that they needed them to do. So uh, I, I think it, it was it was very well handled both ways. I think Anderson was very mature in how he handled it, and I think Carlisle was really trying to look out for the best interest of his player and his team. You know, my favorite day of the NBA season always was draft day. Kevin Sullivan, who used to work for the Mavericks, who went on to be advisor to the president of the United States, and I, we used, to, we used to be a giddy around draft day. I am now giddy over. <laughs> what are you? What are you laughing about? Giddy, giddy. It's just, just you. I, I wonder why you dragged Kevin Sullivan into that. Because thing. I'm name dropping. <laughs> the guy was the guy. Was, he, he 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 was led the communication department of George Bush's White House. Okay? Sully is Sully is yeah. the most powerful person you've ever known personally. Correct. And his son, by the way, a very, a very important member of the Mavericks the inner statistical analytics staff. Yes, right now. Uh, that's right. That, yes, that is that is correct. But, uh, uh, but Kevin and I, we, we used to get giddy, okay? Giddy on draft. I, I want to make clear that you're not talking about me being giddy. You're talking about Kevin Sullivan. Sully. No, my most, doing that my, my, yeah, no. my most important friend <laughs> yeah. whose name is Kevin. Yeah. And, and I, I just want to say, should I be giddy <laughs> over A.J. Hammonds? Uh, I would not be giddy, oh, uh, but I, but I but I would be I, I, but I'd be you know a little more than just a little bit intrigued. Uh, he's got talent. There's no doubt he's got talent. But uh, you could even see in the in the uh, summer league game the other night that you know that's it's not an ideal setting for a big man. It's definitely a guards oriented game. 
but things were going pretty fast for him there. Uh, but he did have his moments. He did have three block shots in the game. Uh, you know, when he had the chance to shoot a little pick and pop jumper, he made that. Um, I I like the the fact that he comes from a big a, a big program, uh, big school program, and and perform well in that program to where you know where you are a two time defensive player of the year and you you, know, you are a you know a, a shot block leader and you do average you know fifteen and eight. Uh, in, in your last year, and I, I think there's something there for them to work with, even if he is not immediately part of the, the rotation, which I don't think he'll be. I mean, I think it's Bogut and Mesry, and then they'll, they'll throw Powell and maybe Dirk in there, and they're, they're going to let Hammonds learn at his pace, but clearly, I mean, they saw enough in him that they gave him a three-year deal, you know, so they have his Larry Bird rights, which is, you know, very, very important in, in these days of uh, contract negotiating and CBAs and things like that, so uh, I, for the value uh, that they received at number 46, you don't normally find that type of player sitting there. So um, if they can unlock the key to the motor and uh, really get him all revved up, then I, I think they ultimately might have something. You know, he's he's only he's only three months younger than Harrison Barnes. Well, he yeah, played a little and, longer. And see, I, I have no problem with that. See, one of the great to me. No, I don't either. Concept, you know, it, it, it's amazing to me. You know, going into the draft and, and reading all the draft stuff and hearing and you know, the concept of, of upside versus production. Right. With the contracts being as short as they are, who cares how old these guys are? Because they're you know, you may draft the guy at nineteen and then by you know, by twenty two, uh, you've decided either he can play and you extend him or he can't play and you get rid of him. And so what's the difference if he's doing that at 22 or he's doing it in the 24? No, I mean, I, it's still the same matter of time. It's just, can he play is really all you need to know. My, well, my, my point was my point was that he, he, he is a mature guy. He, he is a guy who spent four years at, uh, at Purdue, which also happens to be the alma mater of the aforementioned Kevin Sullivan. Kevin Sullivan. Okay, yeah, and we're getting a lot of education on Sully. Uh, he did, and he also did work for the Department yeah. of Education. I, I think, yeah, thank you. I think AJ Hammonds is going to be on the Frisco shuttle this year. I think he's going to spend a lot of time doing that. Don't you, Chuck? I, I agree. I know. I, I, I do agree with that. I, I don't think that he is uh, that he's part, at least here at the start. I mean, unless he just shows something that's you know far beyond what you would normally expect. Uh, of an NBA rookie, that that he will be immediately part of the mix. But the idea was to get younger, to get younger and more athletic and more skilled. And when you take a guy like that as opposed to some guy from, from Europe that uh, you have no idea of whether or not he can make the transition or play, uh, you know, to me that it's it's a worthy gamble to take. And, and, and that's okay. I mean, if they, if they handle it right, look, uh, you know, Dwight Powell and his uh, – uh, in time with the Mavericks, I mean, he, he took the shuttle. He played quite a bit down there in his first year here, and then you know, was on the, the roster the second year. It, it, it happens, and there's nothing wrong with that. And anything that gets the guy developed uh, to the Mavericks' uh, satisfaction doesn't really matter where it happens as long as it does happen. Absolutely. So let me ask you this. So we, we've talked about that being more athletic, and, and you're and obviously you're right about the, what Mavericks fans have wanted. To, you know, you, you, they've watched this team over the years. Basically, if you had to characterize it one way in the last – 10 years, it's a jump-shooting team, essentially. Now, it hasn't always been that, uh, but it, it has more or less. And not, and not a particularly athletic team, certainly not a good defensive team. They have had, they've had I their... would say that most, Kevin, I, I would say that most teams in the NBA are jump-shooting teams. The vast majority of them, in fact, are jump-shooting teams. 
That, okay, good point. I can see that. Are the, are the vast majority of uh, NBA champions jump shooting teams? Uh, yes, I would. I would. I would say they are. I'd say. I'd say the Cleveland Cavaliers this year were primarily a jump shooting team. I mean, look how many threes they were launching per game. I mean, the the, the game has certainly changed. I mean, it, it's one thing if you have Kareem, and it's one thing if you have Tim Duncan. Uh, you know, but nowadays, uh, the it, certainly the, the more champions are jump shooting teams, and the vast majority of teams overall are jump shooting teams because they're all playing the math game. Now, I'm not saying that's the right way to play, but that's how they've all decided to play. I think that's true. I think that when we think of jump shooting teams, though, uh, when the Mavericks in the early days, it was not a they were not a penetrating team, though. They were a team that, that settled Correct. for the jump shot. Now, to me, it's one thing if you're if you're going to the basket and then you're kicking it out, then that's that's one thing. But if you're not, but if you're not driving, if you're just coming down and settling for something on the perimeter before you even attempt to penetrate, that's another thing. But that was coming beside my point. My my point was going to be: Do you feel like then potentially uh, anyway that this is the most athletic Mavericks team in years. Well, the uh, I mean, the 2011 team had athleticism on the wing for sure. Yeah, right. I mean, with Marion and you know Deshaun Stevenson could guard out there. Uh, obviously, you know, Kid could guard multiple positions. Uh, so from that standpoint, and, and Chandler in the middle. Uh, so I mean, I, I would say certainly since the championship season, it's the best, likely the most athletic team that they've had. Uh, and especially on the defensive end. And I think that's really where uh, the Mavericks ultimately want to make their greatest improvement. Uh, it's, you know, last year was a really odd year. They shot so poorly. Uh, they, they, they were just very un-Maverick-like offensively. But, you know, when they won the championship, they were right around in the top ten in, you know, field goal percentage, three-point percentage, points allowed, uh, you know, points per possession, all, all those types of things. And, and Carlisle has basically said if you want to be, you know, an elite team, you you have got to be in the top ten in those major defensive categories, and I, I think they probably have a chance to get a little bit closer to it this year. Some of it will probably be pace related, because I think what we saw toward the end of last year is what we're going to see more of this year. Maybe not as pronounced when the Mavericks by the end of the year were playing slower than any team in the NBA. I don't think they want to necessarily do that, nor do I think that they want to rev it up the way that you know Golden State and uh, Oklahoma City. And, and for that matter, Sacramento, you know, really played at a really fast pace. Uh, I mean, you don't want to necessarily play that way. Windshield wiper basketball is what Carlisle puts <laughs> yeah, it in. Right. He doesn't want to play that way. Right. How, how many times do you think this year, or how often this year, do you think we would see uh, Harrison Barnes and Justin Anderson on the floor at the same time? You're obsessed by this, aren't I am. You? I am obsessed. Well, here's, here's my point. Uh, is I, that because I think, I think it makes you I, more athletic? I think you will see some of it. I mean, I think they, they think that Harris, that Barnes has the athleticism, a little bit of length, you know, to be able to play a small ball four uh, defensively, and you know, maybe you know, be able to stretch the floor uh, offensively to be able to get out and shoot three pointers. And then uh, you know, you have Dwight Powell play center or Mesri or Dirk or you know, however Rick wants to put it out there. But no, I, I definitely see times where that uh, that will be in play. And frankly, I think it's important because I think another thing that will really help the Mavericks this year is if those guys stay healthy and it keeps Wesley Matthews uh, on the perimeter and it keeps him guarding twos. And I think that's really where he is best suited. He had to play small forward so much of the, the Parsons 
situation that uh, that ultimately it took a lot away from his game. He had to play against bigger, stronger players, and it really affected his offensive game even more than his defensive game. So we never saw him shoot the ball the way, or with rare occasions, saw him shoot the ball the way we've become accustomed to seeing him shoot it in both Utah and Portland. So I'm really looking forward to that to see you know how uh, how much they can keep him at the off guard spot because I think ultimately that's going to help him and it's going to help the team. So you think that was more the reason for his shot being so off? It was just that, or or just a leftover from the Achilles? Well, I think I mean obviously there's some with the Achilles, but he still played more minutes than anybody else on the team last year. I mean it's not like he wasn't out there, but I I do think playing against bigger guys uh, takes its toll. Uh, you know, Don Nelson always used to tell us, I, I always want to try to put a big guy on a small guy as much as I possibly can. And, you know, when, when you can get that type of matchup offensively, I mean, that, that helps you. And, I mean, if, if Wesley Matthews at 6'5", five two 220, is having to play against guys that are 6'8", 220, or 6'8", 230, I mean, ultimately over time, that's going to wear you out. And I, and I think it did to a certain degree last year. Kevin's looking at me now because he knows I'm going to change the subject. He, he thinks my attention span is that of a gnat. But yes. I, I just want to change the subject for, for a minute and talk about another Kevin, not Kevin Sullivan, not Kevin Sherrington, but Kevin Durant. How surprised were you uh, when he, he jumped ship in Oklahoma City, and how will it affect the Mavericks, do you think? Uh, I, I was surprised. Um, I, I thought he would have done what most everybody does in this situation and take the you know, the two-year deal with the, with the player option because, again, the cap's going up next year, and he would ultimately, uh, you know, make the most amount of money possible. Uh, and he was playing with a team that was, you know, they had a 10-point lead with five minutes to go in, in game six in Oklahoma City. They were that close to knocking out uh, Golden State, and they choked on it. Uh, I, I would have thought that seeing how they played during the playoffs seeing how Billy Donovan coached during the playoffs and really proven his chops, uh, seeing the move that Oklahoma City made on draft night to bring in Victor Oladipo, that uh, Kevin Durant can look at that situation and say, hey, we're, we're right, there's no reason for me to leave, and I can get my money. Um, I understand he's, you know, he's got his Nike contract and, and what have you, and uh, that's, you know, that's one thing, but you know, these guys still keep score by, you know, by the dollar signs, and he ultimately... He could be passing up, and he will be passing up about $75 million. I mean, I, Kevin and Barry, I know that doesn't matter to you because you've no. got that, but <laughs> it might matter to me. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing about that, though. And, and you know, I was, I, we had said, and I talked about this on, on in multiple formats here, media formats, that, that, oh, I couldn't see why in the world he would want to go there because, you know, first of all, Besides all the things you just pointed out, who's shooting the ball there? I mean, that, that's a there's a you're no longer the star. He's a still a relatively young guy. You know, I could see that if he were 32. Blah 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 blah. But having looked at it afterwards, I'm I'm just wondering it from this standpoint. Uh, obviously, he has the option after this year, so this is a you know essentially could be a one year deal. And and he he goes to Golden State thinking that uh, I, I'm wondering first of all. He's been hurt a little bit the last couple of years, and I'm wondering if he's thinking. Well, well two years ago, two years ago he was hurt. What? Yeah, right, right. Uh, so, so, but he's had you. You, you could push that stuff by me because I don't know. I know. You, so you know can't push that by. I know it's true. By, uh, but he has God. been hurt, and I and I wonder if he thinks that you know what maybe you know I, I get I go I'm going to get a ring with these guys, and then I can do whatever I want uh, from that standpoint. Maybe well, that's what he looks. Yeah, at. I mean, sure. I mean, he could he could do that, uh, but he, he still can't. 
max out is Mike Golden State can't offer him a, a contract, a five-year deal. They can't do that. Uh, I mean, theoretically, like, he could go anywhere and, and get a max contract, but he's still leaving money on the table by by doing what he did. And uh, I mean, I again, I I think they were really close. I, I always wonder, and I know Howard Beck wrote about this on, on Bleach Report, uh, and I don't know how much of this was fed to him from the Durant camp and how much was actual reporting about uh, you know the relationship with Westbrook and, and especially the on-the-court relationship with Westbrook, uh, you know, who obviously is a ball-dominant guard, uh, who takes a lot of bad shots, who, takes, who makes a lot of great plays, uh, but who ultimately can make plays that ultimately get you beat. Uh, as opposed to playing in an ensemble cast where, yeah, he's not going to get all the shots that he got uh, when he was in Oklahoma City because really there are only two guys taking all the shots, but the quality of the shots that he will get are going to be far better because there's no way to double-team that Kevin Durant anymore. Can't do that. Okay, my daughter's a D3 college point guard, played high school basketball as a point guard. The second Durant signed with the Warriors, she was on the phone to me and said he just didn't like playing with, with Westbrook. Nobody likes playing with a point guard who's a shot first point guard, and uh, he he just he just got tired of just standing around and watching. That was her analysis, which I thought was a pretty good analysis. She she thinks a point guard is out on the court to distribute. The but there are very few point guards like that anymore. But but that's true. But there are there are few who take it to the extreme that Westbrook takes. It. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, so so you know, it's one thing if you're Allen Iverson, and and I've heard this comparison a lot, you know, with Westbrook, you know, especially during the playoffs. It's one thing if you're Allen Iverson, and you, you shoot a really low percentage, uh, but you know you hurdle yourself in and you score a bunch of points because you're looking at that team and saying, who else is going to score? You, you you're Russell Westbrook, and you're looking at that team and saying, man, I got Kevin Durant to pass the ball to. I got that. Like so, why why would I do this? Why would I play like? Why would I play so inefficiently? Because he's uh, Russell Westbrook. So I I, I I do think that that uh, you know affected Durant on some level. I mean, I just remember watching them during the course of the year, and not just you know, and obviously this was before the playoffs, and just thinking, you know, this team is not having fun for whatever reason. You're just looking at their body language and just watching them play all those fourth quarter leads that they lost, and thinking they are not having fun out there. And those those two guys alone should make it incredibly fun to play. But nobody was having a good time, at least until the playoffs started. See, I just question that, and you brought up an excellent point about the fourth quarter meltdowns, the mental toughness of that team. I, I, I just, and and that's you know, and that's why another reason why I say you, we can say all we want to. Well, they were so close to beating Golden State and upsetting them. But I thought I was not surprised at all that Golden State came back and beat them. I, of, of any team. Being a candidate to do that against another team, I thought was those two. At three one, yes, you at three one. At three one, you thought, I thought they were perfectly capable of coming wow. back and winning that winning that series, just because of how great they can be. And which they we didn't see that in the in the finals either. Uh, you know, they they folded up there. Uh, but I, I really felt like they could do that. So I, I, that's one of the reasons why I see them doing that. But going back to your Allen Iverson comparison, I think we're going to see an Allen Iverson-type season from Russell Westbrook this year because who else is going to make those points? He's, he's going to score. He's going to average 35 points a game. He just might if he's playing with them. <laughs> that's a very good point. It's a very good point. <laughs> yeah, they, they, might, they might chip him out and tear, you know, start I mean, tearing I mean, down. They, 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 it, they're in a really tough spot because, look, they lost Durant for nothing. 
they can't lose Westbrook for nothing. Right. Uh, even, if, if it's 30, even if it's 30 cents on the dollar, they, they've got to get something for him. In, in effect, didn't, um, they, didn't they lose Harden for nothing, too? No. What'd they get for uh, No, they, they, got Steven, they got Steven Adams. <laughs> they uh, got the draft choice okay. that became Steven Adams. Yeah. So that, that was, that's a pretty nice comeback. I can't put and, anything uh, past you either, Jeff. I, I could have got that by Kevin. No, no, I knew that that was not true. But I think I said, uh, you know, so let's let's say Russell Westbrook is on the market. Then who's gonna who's gonna take him? I mean, who's gonna take him? Who 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 would be a likely candidate? I mean, I, the the obvious the obvious team is Boston. I mean, they've got more guards than you can shake a stick at, uh, and young guards at that that Presti might be interested in. Um, and but the problem, of course, with trading with with Danny Ainge trading for him or anybody trading for him is you know they've got to have some type of understanding that he's going to so. that he's going to that he, that he will sign with them right uh, and why would he why would he sign an extension you know after being traded that would eliminate his ability to get a get a fifth year and and, and maximum dollars i mean so that it's it's an incredibly difficult spot that Oklahoma City finds itself in right now do you let me ask you this about uh, um the, the Lakers, because, you know, and maybe it's just because I'm too old, uh, but I feel like that certainly the Lakers still have cachet with me. It, it seems to me that it's important to the NBA that the Lakers be a good franchise. Uh, it's not, you know, deathly important, but it's important then to be good. Would Russell Westbrook, would Kevin Durant, would players of that uh, of caliber, you know, be wanting to go to the Lakers next year? In the next free agent class, not 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 unless they see D'Angelo Russell and Brandon Ingram blow up full time, right? Uh, it, you know, it's it's not. Uh, you know, we we always used to you know tease the NBA. Yeah, we want a great team in New York. We want a great team in Chicago. We want a great team in LA. Right. You know, and, and it's as we've seen, you can build it in a lot of different places. And not only will people watch, but ultimately people will want to go. It's it's not about where the team is. It's about the players who are on the team, and that and that ultimately determines nowadays, you know, where where guys will go. Look, Kevin Durant got a two hundred eighty million dollar deal from Nike playing in Oklahoma City. He didn't need to go to New York to do that. Didn't need to go to L.A. to do that. Um, so it, 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 that part doesn't really matter anymore. Uh, you know, these guys are so used to to teaming up with one another, uh, going from the time they're twelve years old and playing, starting to play AAU basketball. That uh, it, it just it's it's part of their culture, which so you know I always find it interesting now you know to see uh, Larry and, and Michael and uh, Isaiah Thomas and Oscar and all because you know man Charles Barkley I'd, I'd never leave to go join anybody I want I want to go earn it myself and it was it's the culture the culture has just changed dramatically I mean to a 180 degree point to where you, uh, you don't necessarily want to be uh, the guy but how are they ultimately judged? By if they win a ring. Now, is that the right way to judge? I don't know, but it's certainly the way it is. Uh, I, I tend to believe that uh, you know your, your work should stand for itself. I think Barkley's work, Carl Malone's work, uh, John Stockton's work, it pretty much stands on its own merits. Uh, would it be better if they won a championship? Of course, but it, to me, it doesn't. It doesn't lessen. Uh, it, it doesn't lessen their their impact on the game and just how great a player they were. Chuck, before we let you go, I just want to go back to your old midnight run days on WBAP when I was just a kid and I used to call you up. Uh, no, you didn't call me up and see you're, you're older than I am. <laughs> no, I, no, this, about two decades ago I used to call you and, and you used to yell at me. I just, I just want to get a couple of quick thoughts from you. Uh, Larry Brown at SMU. 
and SMU. Larry Brown departing SMU. Um, I'm. I mean, look, that, that he leaves under controversial circumstances should surprise no one. Uh, the fact that he did it on that particular day was absolutely abhorrent. Uh, it was incredibly arrogant of him to ask for a five-year contract uh, at age 75. Even if he is 75 and acts like he's 45. I mean, and, and looks great, and obviously he's in, he's in great shape and still has uh, all his wits about him. But um, if uh, Brad Townsend's reporting was correct, and I don't suggest for a second that it's not, I mean, how does SMU only partially guarantee one year out of a three-year deal because for a they, guy who brought you to a place you've never been? Because they wanted him to leave. I, I think there's but a possibility they, that, that... But why would they want him to leave? Why would they want... They love him. I mean, at least two of the fans love him. How could they not love what he brought? I think there's there's a, always a possibility there's something out there that we don't know. That they, and you know, it's very, very true. And, and, and I think that's based on what we do know. Yes, and, 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 and absolutely right. Uh, Barry's trying to whisper to me. I can't tell what he's saying. No, I'm, I'm, tr- I'm trying to. I'm trying to educate you oh. before you say something stupid. Sorry. No, no, no. I, I, I just, I just think that uh, there was some concern that the assistant coach would be leaving, and I think they really. Wa- I don't think he, he wanted to hang around anymore. You don't think Larry wanted to hang around? No, anymore. no, the assistant. Oh, Jankovic. Jankovic wanted to hang around anymore. I think they wanted him to be the next coach. And, and, and I think they wanted Larry. Obviously, I, I don't think. I know, that obviously, from, from their actions. Gerald Turner's a basketball guy. They wanted he, him out he, the door. And he likes Larry. I, I think They wanted him out the door. I, I don't know that that's I, – I, I wonder if there was something else that we don't know about in, in the investigations and something else came up. I, I heard some whispers of some other things. I don't know if that's, that's true or not. Uh, I will say this, and, and as I wrote the other day, um, Larry's crazy, and there's no question about that, but he is a genius, and he did a fantastic job at no SMU. Question. No uh, and, and they, he, he, did, he did something that was almost impossible. I mean, he made SMU basketball a happening. He made it, he made it, he made it, he made it relevant. He Absolutely it relevant. did. And, and who would have thought that? I mean, I thought it was a fine hire. I had fun with it when they hired him uh, because of the circumstances were so crazy when, when they brought him in in the first place. But – to think that he would turn that program around so fast and do for it what he did it was just phenomenal. Which to me just says, you know, I, I know Larry's seventy-five years old and I know he's crazy, but listen, if if and, and he doesn't need to be coaching in college basketball uh, either, and, and no one's going to give him a job in the NBA. But no it's, a sh- it's a shame to me that he won't be coaching anymore. Well, I wouldn't. Well, he won't. He may not be a head coach, but don't be surprised if he's not uh, somebody's Yoda. No, I think that would be a great uh, role for him. I think that would be great. Somebody's coaching whisperer, uh, whoever that is. His network is certainly wide enough that uh, that he can he can do that, and there are people who would be more than happy to take him on. Would he be happy, uh, though, in that role, though? Wouldn't you be afraid of Larry if you were if you were a young head coach? Oh, see, see, see I, I don't, but see, I don't know that he necessarily has to be like anybody's full-time guy, that he has to be on a full-time staff. Uh, I mean, I compare, I could compare him, say, to a guy like Tim Gergerich, uh-huh. you know, who who the, who the Mavericks brought in a couple of years ago. He was a long time, I mean, he was a long time college coach and you know, uh, great workout guy and whatever. But uh, and, and really was a guy who was hugely important, along with Dwayne Casey, in the defensive philosophies that the Mavericks developed uh, when they won the championship. And I, I could see Larry Larry absolutely taking on you know that kind of role where you're. You, you're you're a you're a consultant. I mean, you're 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 in and you're out. Uh, you know, but I mean, you have touch. You, you're in touch, but uh, you know, you're not necessarily 
you know, doing doing everything and running the entire program. And maybe he wouldn't be happy doing that, but I know that there were people who would love to have him do it. Okay, and now let's let's move on. I want to ask you, Jordan Spieth in the British Open, can he win it? Will he win it? Yes uh, or no? Of, 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 of course, of course, he can win it. Um, and it, I think the fact that he's he's recognized one of the flaws in his game this year, and maybe even going back to to last year, still was was how slowly he was playing. He's trying to pick up his pace, and it seems like since he's picked up his pace, he's played a lot better. Um, so. Uh, I'll, I'll never count him out just because he knows how to think his way around a golf course. And, <laughs> and you've, got to, you've got to be able to think your way around the British Open. You know bad stuff's going to happen. Ball's going to bounce the way they're not supposed to in, in the gorse and pot bunkers and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but uh, you've got to be patient, and he's got a ton of patience. And do you think Dallas women's gymnast Reagan Smith got jobbed at the, at the Olympic trials last night? <laughs> She did not. She she was not one of the five members uh, picked. She's the alternate. She's the alternate. Do you think she got jobbed? Kevin does. <laughs> I, I will. I will. I will plead ignorance. Uh, you know, there there are things there are things that I watch, uh, and there are things that I don't. And when it comes to the Olympics, there are three things that I really watch. I watch swimming. I watch track, and I watch basketball. And other than that, you don't watch beach don't volleyball in Brazil. No, it does not. <laughs> Kevin thinks you, Kevin thinks all he's going to do is go to Brazil and watch women's beach volley, beach volleyball. Yeah, I'm going down there for that. Yeah, that's what it's, yeah, it's all going to be. Uh, about. Kevin, Kevin, I just I just want you to count the number of uh, beer bottles and cans and uh, <laughs> hospital hospital waste and uh, all kinds of stuff that's sitting on that beach. Well, here, here's here's what I want Kevin to do to to increase his Twitter following. Just take pictures of the at women's beach volleyball maybe that'll be it. that'll be my suggestion I could, yeah, maybe i could do that yeah maybe we could do that chuck we and, want to thank and, you for and, and, and i was gonna say how does debbie feel about that yeah really good really good listen chuck. she doesn't care oh yeah <laughs> chuck you've been great you I, I this is the best ballsy debut by anyone ever i believe rookie of the year chuck cooperstein no he's no rookie he's, he's chuck cooperstein everybody thanks for coming chuck it was great having you on we appreciate it and we want to have you on as soon as possible and the next time you're on we'll again try not to have evan grant in here to, <laughs> to clock in. yeah that's right that's all he does be well thanks guys thanks chuck there goes okay, chuck cooperstein he's care. the best uh you know Really, in, in this market, and we've always said that, haven't we? That, He's an encyclopedia. Who, 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 who would you? Whose opinion would you trust more, uh, or at least certainly? Well, who his, would his have an breadth opinion. of knowledge? Who would have an opinion? Yes, his breadth of knowledge, and then the depth of it as well is is phenomenal. I was a little disappointed that it, he he you didn't know cop, Reagan Smith. He copped out on Reagan Smith. Yeah, I told you he wouldn't know that though. Chuck, Chuck, there's stuff that he likes and stuff that he doesn't like, you know. And he, and I like the fact that he doesn't uh, pretend. No. Right. No, he doesn't. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't give us an, a kind of crappy answer that would have been made <laughs> no, up. Like it's not like but, I would have done. Barry, what else do we have uh, this week on the podcast? Well, we have a scintillating because I, we've already had it, so I could say it was a scintillating discussion with Evan Grant, who's on vacation in Rosemary Beach. Is that in Florida? Uh, that's what he says. I don't know. I never but, heard of a Rosemary Beach. No, who who had who was who goes to a Rosemary Beach? Here's who goes: Evan Grant and an old guy from. <laughs> From Tyler at, that's at East Texas and an old guy yeah, from, from Stephenville, from Stephenville and what, on the way to West Texas yeah. who recognized Evan. Yeah. Evan could not wait to get that in in the you podcast. You know, here's the thing about that, though. He's pretty recognizable, right? 
Oh, yes, because and I don't think it's from the Ballsy podcast. Evan is what I would call a, a guy who never met a camera he didn't like. Yeah, that's true. And also, people always come up to me and say, weren't you in the Adams family? <laughs> but <laughs> you won't Doug up. Doug like that. Doug like that. But 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 he's terrific, and he and he had a lot of good insight along with you. And I just was there for the ride no, on, on the Rangers. True. And then we're we're also going to have a podcast which we haven't done yet, which we're getting ready to do on the all. What is it, Kevin? You tell me. It's the all-time Cowboys position rankings. Several of us of the Dallas Morning News did that. I wasn't asked to participate. You wasn't asked to do that. I'm sorry. You, who has been here longer right. than who? Who has been here longer than I? That's true. That's and true. Was, you go back. You go way back in the Tom Landry days. Oh, not way back, but I go. I go back. I go back to the un, in, inglorious, unglorious. What's the right inglorious, word? Inglorious. Yeah. In, the inglorious. Inglorious bastards ba- of, of of the Cowboys. Yeah. Of those of those woebegone eighties. Yeah, that's correct. Early eighties. Yeah. All right, Kevin. Say let's say goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.